0: do make that disgusted face yeah but then you don't have to hear it <laughs> doesn't make him go away it's okay you can pretend he's just a cute little bear with a microphone now he is not a cute little bear look at those eyes a little bear with a microphone he's planning something tell me he's not yeah, planning, bears something. Are always planning something bears are always planning something shall we start yeah let's get into it Woo! all right Hey, everybody! Welcome to another episode of the Petals and Pages podcast. Yeah! Yeah. Yeah. Kendall, how have you been this week? I've been good. I did a ton of
1: reading, so felt super good about that. Um, I finally finished my audiobook that I was listening to, so that was exciting. And I also want to read it as an actual book, because I feel like... Like when I listen to my podcast, cast, it's kind of like when you listening to music, you don't necessarily pay attention 100% of the time as opposed to when you're reading. So I feel like I didn't get the full experience on the book mm-hmm. because like when I listen to it too, I'm like walking down the street, going to the library or I'm doing dishes and mm-hmm. other things that are taking away some of my mental space. Mm-hmm. So I'm not giving it the full attention and it was so good. And it's really interesting. And I want to
0: get the full experience. I like it. yeah what about you what's been going on man i feel like it's been a week like we've just had a lot of really big toddler emotions um which are exhausting because kids co-regulate so they can't regulate their own emotions which means you have to help them do it uh and yeah it's tiring (laughs) yeah (laughs) i can imagine. So yeah, just tired. But like, I'm still averaging now, like two books a week. That's good. I'm finishing two books a week and it's awesome. Yeah. It's the most I've ever read in my entire life. Yeah. I'm doing about the same too. It feels great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just been a lot. And I started walking for like at least 40 minutes to an hour every single morning. And that's been really good. I tried stopping for like two days just because I was tired and then like my back started like having that burning tingling pain all over it it's like I guess I can't stop now this is terrible yeah I know what you mean and like that's something so we have talked about this before like leaving the
1: service industry and oh my gosh yes going and just like living life so like instead of being on your feet running around and lifting constantly for like six to eight hours a day now you're not doing that, and you are like relaxing a lot more. So you have to make that intentional time to get out and get active, and yeah, that's really hard. It's really, but hard. not just being active, but being active throughout your day. Because working out for one hour a day means nothing for your health if you're just sitting around for the next eight to twelve. So
0: I mean, it's better than nothing,
1: but still, it's, it's not better than nothing. But like, science and doctors say that it doesn't actually contribute greatly towards your health.
0: Yeah. Like you need to be standing. It's the benefit of a standing desk. Peter has one and I don't think he sits at all during the work day. He's just standing the whole day. Yeah. And Aaron, Aaron just got
1: one too, because they were having that big sale. So he got one of those standing desks
0: and it's like his favorite thing now. He's obsessed with it. it? I think when we have a more like officey office, I want to get one. So I can move and fidget more because. That's part of my problem with a lot of stuff. I just get up and then I can't like do work when I'm standing. So (laughs) I just go do other things. That's fair.
1: Learning that I can like treadmill and read has changed my life.
0: Oh, I love it. (laughs) It's great. (sighs) I struggle to like walk and read. The book moves too much and my eyes don't focus words so I don't process as well um yeah but that's the benefit of podcasts and audiobooks that is very true
1: yeah I'm a little bit adjusted but I definitely read slower mm-hmm. yeah and walk yeah. slower so it's not like the ideal <laughs>
0: Yeah, I like to like pick up a good pace, like not quite power walking, but like I'm definitely city walking. But that's the server. That's like the service industry in mm-hmm. you. But it's also like if you're doing walking for exercise, you should be going at a good clip. Yeah, you should be getting your heart rate up. and Yeah, it's a good pace that you're supposed to walk at is where
1: your heart rate is up, but you're still able to talk without running out of breath.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Well, we just turned this podcast into a health podcast, haven't we? I
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you and I un- are, like, <laughs> into health stuff. We are. Kind of podcasting. So my blog like...
1: was, and all my writing for the past, like, year has been no geared right? towards health and fitness and well-being. Well, not fitness necessarily. That's recent, but...
0: Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's something that we're trying, now that we have a two and a half year old, we're trying to kind of get back into everything and find a good routine. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it's hard. There's so much to do in the day and daycare is only there for like eight hours.
1: Yeah.
0: And in that eight hours, it's like cleaning and fitness and work and make dinner and, and, and... (laughs) yeah what do i do um but yeah other than like just finding time for fitness in our day our garden is exploding nice. the peas are still flowering and giving us like uh we have snow peas um So we've already had two meals of snow peas and they're still flowering, Um, but the tomatoes and jalapenos are going. We have six tomato plants, um, three plants each of two different heirloom varieties, uh, striped German and Cherokee purples. They're both so tasty. And then we have jalapenos and I see just from where I'm sitting, I see at least four Four jalapenos that are already set and growing, and they're just like tiny little things, baby jalapenos. That's so cute. Yeah, and we have one tomato that's growing, and it's this tiny, like little marble-sized tomato right now. oh baby tomato. All well, our garden is in pots, so I can't remember which pot has which type of tomato. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. Real surprise. Then we have this whole like vertical window box setup where. We have, like, pansies, calendula, a couple different mm. herbs, snapdragons, a whole thing of wildflowers. And all of those are, like, flowering and prolific and just, like, taking over. It's really cool. I do have Thanks. to do some maintenance. There's a lot of deadheading I have to do. But that's okay. I'll get to it eventually.
1: Yeah. That's awesome, though. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: nice. Yeah. So it's, like, really beautiful out there right now. And I'm very happy about it. Love that. Anywho. Shall we get into our book club chat for this month? Yes. Let's talk about Stone Blind. Stone Blind. Yeah, Stone Blind by Natalie Haynes. So before we get into it, guys, we just want to give
1: you a full list of trigger warnings. Um there we'll be talking about sexual assault, gore, death, violence, and other unpleasant things in this podcast and in this book as well. So please be aware before you proceed. If any of these warnings may trigger you, please take the time and move on to our next episode. If you want to see a full list of trigger warnings, we'll be
0: sure to include them in our
1: show notes as well.
0: Dun, dun, dun. All right, folks, if you've listened this far, you haven't read the book, and you care about spoilers, maybe it's now a good time to sign off until you've read the book because we're going to talk all the spoilers. Yes. Nothing is safe from here on out. No if you get a spoiler and you're upset about it you've been warned
1: yes you've had your shot and i'm really interested to talk about this one because heather and i have been texting back and forth for a while and Mm -hmm. heather has very big opinions on this and i'm
0: so curious what she has to say and she's been holding it in for so long now and i've been going crazy because we're trying to like Actually, have this be our chat about the book. We're trying not to talk about it At privately, all. so At we'll all. just be like texting each other these really ambiguous, almost ominous messages <laughs> about whatever we're reading for <laughs> book club. We oh my doing. god, this book they just got me yeah. It's like shrieking into a text message. Yeah. yeah One hundred percent. So I'm super, super curious what you
1: have to say. I really need to know immediately.
0: And I'll, I'll let you go first, no. because I think I have really strong no no I have really really strong opinions and I don't want to necessarily influence them too much. Like let's just talk overall impression of the book. Okay. Things you liked, things you didn't like, and then we can get into the nitty gritty plot stuff.
1: Okay. Um, so I guess my first impression of the book was that it was really it was an interesting decision to write it in an American style. For a mythical retelling. That kind of surprised me. Um, What do you
0: mean American style?
1: Like, if I was reading the book, like when the characters were talking, they were talking as Americans as opposed to the time.
0: Oh, like the dialogue was very modern?
1: It was very modern. Um, It was not with the time and like the style that they were talking, it would be like talking to you or Aaron or my sister or somebody like it's it's just not what i expected and part of my mistake would be that i read this book right after i read circe yes where it was very much like consistent throughout the book the same style and just very much made sense for the mythical retelling so that was probably my first mistake but yeah that was my that was my first impression was oh like these these characters are talking like a modern-day American would. So that kind of surprised me. It took a while for me to get into. Like, I finished three quarters of the book. I was on the last quarter, and that's when I started to find it actually kind of interesting. So Heather, when Heather and I text, it's the messiest jumble of 15 different conversations happening in one area. And that's kind of what this book reminded me of. Because it takes you through all these different areas and all these different scenes, all these different characters, and you're like, okay, but what is the significance of this? Like, what is the purpose? What is going on? And then you have a hard time following along, so it's like, you're being taken from one storyline, and then you don't get back to it for another, like, ten chapters almost. And then you're like, forgetting about what happened. So it it was just really it was hard to follow along because i think there is just so many different storylines, so many different characters and in most stories that i've read especially recently there's been like you kind of jump back and forth from one character to another, from one timeline to another, but it's usually like maybe two, maybe three or four at the very most. This one felt like it was like seven or eight different conversations happening at once and it made it really hard to follow along so it and, it and things didn't really start to make sense until the very end and so because this is the retelling of medusa i didn't actually read so i know the very bare minimum of the medusa myth i know that she was raped and i know that she was person, or not person, but she could turn people into stone. Like, that's what I knew. Mm -hmm. But I actively did not go and search out the myth even after reading this, because I didn't want my memory to be tainted on the story, to the myth, to all that. So, I don't necessarily know how accurate it was to the actual myth Mm -hmm. itself and I know that the myth has many different variations but even still there's like the one underlying story that's the same but so I don't really know how it relates with everything and like I don't really know much of the stories of Athena or Athene as she's called in this book Um, I don't know a whole bunch about myths in general so Mm -hmm. It was it was really hard for me to follow along and understand what was happening. Um, but yeah, yeah, Heather, you look like you were exploding for a second. So I oh no, I um, was just
0: very much agreeing with you saying that like we're a bajillion different perspectives. It was constantly switching back and forth. Yeah, we had this weird narrator. But yeah. There was one narrator, but really there was like seven of them. I know! There's one whole chapter dedicated to a crow who narrated something, and it had nothing to do with the story. And then an olive tree. I know. I know. That was one of my points. But I was going to wait until the nitty gritty, but I want to get into this now I'm too. just using that as cause... an example. We can get into it. Um, okay. And then <laughs> there's an olive tree for two chapters or something like that. And it's just like, what does this have to do with Medusa myth? Well, it's... This is, it's not the Medusa myth at this point. It's about Athena versus Poseidon. That's literally what the entire thing was. But and the it's biggest Medusa, thing... It's Athena versus Poseidon.
1: Yep. Yep. Sorry. Oh, no. But that's okay. I just keep trying to interject because this this is just coming out of my mouth and I can't stop it. But the narration of the book was putting thoughts that I should be thinking privately to myself in my head. And I did not like that. I, I was being told how to feel everything. Exactly. And like, I felt like it was, it, it just, it didn't hit me right. Because I want to come to these places on my own. And I was already there for most of them. Like, I was already at that point, And then I was being told this is what I should
0: be thinking. And it's like... Yeah. Or like, okay, so... I kind of understand where Haynes was coming from this. She wanted a different version of the Medusa myth, but I feel like she was trying to tell the perspective from literally every name that is involved in the Medusa myth, instead of focusing in on, like, two or three major relationships. Yeah. Um, like, everything that was from actually Medusa's point of view, I really enjoyed those chapters. Um... I didn't like the Perseus ones or the Athena or like any of the gods when they got a perspective. I felt like it was very pretentious. It was very forced. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I was constantly being told how to think and feel about characters. So like we were being told that Perseus is pathetic and annoying and a coward, but you know what? I was never given space to actually start thinking that or feeling it. I was, get- I was yeah. more annoyed by being told. Yeah, I didn't get the sense that Perseus was annoying and a coward, really. I, I know it because I was being told. Also, here, so I'm going to read from the back of the book right now. Unlike her siblings, Medusa grows older, experiences change, feels weakness. Her mortal lifespan gives her an urgency that her family will never know. You know how I know this from Medusa and know that like urgency she feels with having a mortal life? Because it's on the back of the book. It's never brought into the book. Unlike you, I never got into this book. I struggled with it from the minute I started until the end, because it was just constantly telling me how to feel, telling me what to do. And then you know what? Haynes turns Medusa into a freaking pick me girl. Literally, quote from the book. I wrote this down on a post-it note in all caps because I was so annoyed from the book. It really wasn't like other girls. If it wasn't a book club book, I would have shut it down and not finished at that point. I was so furious that she did this to Medusa. I, I loved the commentary of like whole discussion of what makes a monster. And like she could have focused in on what makes a monster? How do you humanize a Gorgon? Yeah. And I thought the Medusa chapters actually did a really good job at that. The chapters with Medusa's sisters. Eh, again it felt very pretentious and stale and constantly telling me what I should be thinking and feeling.
1: Totally agree with that um with the Medusa it it was also frustrating because she was actually in the novel so little and she mm-hmm. wasn't given any kind of plot line period like mm-hmm. she was assaulted by Poseidon She's a pro. that's okay that's that's what the myth was about I'm pretty sure um from what i remember anyways like 10 years ago but she wasn't actively in the story to like i didn't necessarily feel bad for her because she wasn't in the story enough for me to actually like empathize and understand her and know her she wasn't given opportunities to speak with other people where she could be understood and heard and actually like person. She didn't have very much dialogue, if any, at all, and like you don't actually get to know her. You don't get to understand her perspective. You don't get to see what's going on in Medusa's head or what's happening. She's just there.
0: That's it. She wasn't like it, this is a retelling of the Medusa' story without Medusa. well I don't mind if you take a retelling of the Medusa myth and focus on a different character. But there was not a single character that I was being focused on. It was every exactly. single character. Everybody.
1: Somebody who involved. Like Hera. Why is Hera being involved in this?
0: Right? Why does why do I care about Hera? We hear She's, more about her than we do Medusa. Yes! And ultimately, this is a story about Athena versus Poseidon. Mm-hmm. But the entire back of the book makes it focuses you, on Medusa. Exactly. So it makes you think it's literally following Medusa. Exactly. So it was really lackluster in that, in that regard. Yeah. I feel the blurb is very misleading. I feel a lot of reviews are very misleading. Yes. I don't think this book was well done. I thought it tried to be everything all at once in under 400 pages. Yeah. Which just means you did everything badly. Totally agree with that. Um, from like a writer's perspective,
1: when I'm writing about stories and characters, I'm, constantly like hyper aware that i'm not adding too much detail in to every single person because not every single person is or should be the main character so we don't need to know what they're thinking at all times what they're doing at all times we don't need to know what's happening in the background of these scenes because that's left for the imagination Mm -hmm. that's what the reader is supposed to interpret based on the information that is happening in front of them it's not supposed to be hand-fed to them
0: yeah And I just looked at some other like post-it notes I put throughout the book. Um, It was really hard to follow the story also because Haynes head hopped within chapters. Yeah. So you didn't actually get the one character at the start of the chapter that was listed as this is their perspective. Yeah. Um, You would get a little bit of it, but anyone else they encountered, you would hop to their perspective throughout the chapter. Yeah. So there was no, so even though you're, hopping constantly to the, all these characters some of which only have two or three chapters and they're short and they don't tie in later and they make no sense why was this not cut in editing um but like within the chapter itself you're constantly changing perspectives so you have to slow down and be like wait what what's happening who's who's the perspective here yeah and there were i think a lot of really interesting bits of commentary or themes that could have come up that would have been really great to lean into like The mother-child relationship. You see it with like Danae and Perseus. That would be really cool. You could see the Zeus-Athena parental relationship. That could be really cool. You could see the whole thing of Medusa missing her mother because she never knew her mother. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole theme of what makes a monster. I thought that would have been really cool if Haynes just went and leaned into it.
1: Yeah.
0: I see a lot of potential with this book and it all fell short. Yeah. I think it was really terribly done. I honestly did not enjoy this book.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you there.
0: I would be a lot more charitable if Haynes didn't turn Medusa into a pick-me girl, because especially given a lot of the themes throughout and kind of like the minimal character building that we did get was very like empowered woman. And then you do this to her, you did her so dirty. Yeah. And then, yeah, I guess, I also guess some of, the whole like, we don't get a lot of Medusa is because, and big spoiler guys, this is like the quote unquote twist of the entire book. The main narrator, the Gorgonian, or however you pronounce it, is Medusa's head yeah. after she's been decapitated and died. Looking it up, the Gorgonian is actually like a pendant. An amulet. An amulet. It's yeah. not her head. So yeah. we're changing the entire definition of A. Which I think is
1: fine. I think that's fine because you can do that in books.
0: You can, but the fact that I think part of the reason it is so head hoppy and disjointed and you have so many perspectives is because Haynes was trying so desperately to cling as accurately as possible to the myth.
1: And again, that's where I don't fall for because my knowledge is not towards a myth. So that's why I'm leaning a lot on you.
0: Yeah, but this is why when I do a myth, I read myth retellings. My personal preference is to read the myth and be like, oh, they changed that here. They took some artistic liberties. Or this is what the overall story is. And the overall story is there were three Gorgons, two were immortal, Medusa was mortal. Medusa visits Athena's temple, Poseidon rapes her in Athena's temple. Because especially back then, victim blamey kind of thing was the... Social norm. Yeah. Athena punishes Medusa by cursing her with like stone sight. So you look at someone, it turns to stone. Um, and then Perseus, like that story arc was relatively um, accurate okay. to the whole thing. Um, and I think, especially bringing in the whole Andromeda story, yeah, it's still part of the Medusa myth, but with everything being so disjointed and wild I feel like it was really difficult to follow and care but like for a lot of what was going on Haynes tried really really hard to stay accurate to the myth and then and she did it to the detriment of the actual novel and then she goes and decides to take this one artistic liberty and it's not something that actually added anything because we never got to know Medusa as a living thing yeah and now we're supposed to know and love and sympathize with her as this artifact now I don't know I don't buy it it was also pretty confusing too because if she was mortal
1: how did she live when she got her head cut off yeah like if she's mortal that should not have been able to happen and like that could be part of the myth where I just don't know but like it it just really kind of threw me off because I'm like the whole point is that she's mortal she can't live if she's killed but she's Killed, and
0: she's still kind of alive. Yeah. So it just felt it felt forced. Just trying to get some kind of twist and cool thing going in the narrative that you the reader wouldn't see coming. But it's just like there's no storyline here. Yeah. I don't care about any of these people because the ones that actually get airtime are obnoxious and I hate them. Yeah. And the one person that you've written or the one character that you've written well and I think you did a really great job with in those perspective chapters. About, what, five chapters in the whole book? If that, and they were all short. Yeah. Um, so do you want to know the
1: reason why I got actually kind of interested in the book? It was one scene that did it.
0: Yeah, tell me. Okay. It Is was good things, because...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Um, very strong opinions. But um, I'm probably not going to pronounce this right, but the scene with the eye. The three eggs. Oh yeah, I really liked that scene. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, that was and, cool. Yeah, and like, I it think... really freaked me out because they're like sharing an eyeball between <laughs> them, and they only have one tooth. And but yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was really fun. I thought that was a really fun scene, and that's where I actually enjoyed it. Yeah,
0: that's one scene in chapter that I've re- also really enjoyed. I think Haynes did a really great job of showing not telling. Yeah. And by the end of that chapter, I really was saying this Perseus guy said shiitake mushrooms. Um, So like, the book's not 100% bad. There are good nuggets in it with good prose, good storytelling. Um, Again, one thing I loved is when Medusa and her sisters were talking about what makes a monster. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. And it was really good. And Again, Medusa chapters, a lot of her chapters, we were shown things. We weren't necessarily told how to feel about them. Yeah. Um, It was an
1: inconsistency that went throughout the book that really brought it down for me. Because there were really good aspects of it. Some of the narration I actually enjoyed because it helped bring me back and remind me of these characters and events that had happened that I had forgotten about. So I didn't
0: really enjoy those. I didn't like Mm -hmm. being told what to think. Mm Mm-hmm. I think, aside from the pick-me-girl thing, that was my biggest complaint, because it prevented me from actually thinking and caring about anything that she'd written. That and, like, why do we need, like, five narrators?
1: Yeah, that was unnecessary. There was too many. I think that, like, the Gorgonian head that made sense because it's medusa's head oh, yeah totally makes sense totally fits the bill but why do we need crows why do we need olive trees we do not need these things yeah. they're unnecessary the gorgonian head knows the entire tale of everything that's happened because a it's heard it yeah. after the death and like it's heard all the whole, the entire story but it's yeah. also witnessed a lot of the stuff too so yeah. the head can tell us everything that we need to know but a lot of the things that we're being told by these narrators is not information that we need to know. It's irrelevant. It takes away from the actual story of Medusa.
0: Or if Haynes wanted to focus on the Athena-Poseidon thing, and that was the actual focus of the book, I think this uh, Medusa myth could be a really interesting way to do it. Yep. And that's where I see like the olive tree and a lot of this other stuff kind of tying in. But again, it wasn't really made clear And it didn't feel like the focus of the book, even though it took up so much. It was the entire story. Yeah. It's like, you think of Poseidon jokingly egging on Hephaestus to, to assault Athena and Poseidon raping Medusa in Athena's temple. And then Athena and Poseidon kind of warring over who gets Athens. And then with, oh gosh, what's Medusa's mother's name? Seraphis, something like that. Um, I can't remember at the moment. Serena or something like that. Yeah, and you get, like, something like that. But Medusa's mother goes and she's the one that's supposed to consume Andromeda. And you get kind of Athena helping Perseus defeat this ancient, otherwise immortal monster. Um, And I think that could have also been a really cool way to, like, Haynes touched on it with Medusa or as the Gorgonian finally laying her eyes on her mother and it just all fell short
1: yeah
0: and you had this like whole chapter of Medusa dedicated to how lost she was feeling without her mother and it's like oh yeah we know our father but we don't know our mother and Medusa commenting like but mothers are the only ones that matter because she watches the sheep and I don't know I just felt like that scene felt short yeah but it was also like this whole Athena, Poseidon thing. And it felt very, it just, it fell short. The whole book, I think, fell short. It was trying to do so much and it felt unfocused the whole way through. And it was hard to be like, well, what's the point of this book? Mm-hmm. Because almost every book has a point. Yeah, And it felt like this one was trying to make too many in under 400 pages.
1: It was, it was. And like you said too, bringing it back, if the book was about,
0: Athena and Poseidon, the back of the book should have stated so exactly. It made me think Medusa was a main character. and yeah. other than the Gorgonian, like Medusa as the Gorgonian? And even then, she was just a narrator. She wasn't the main character mm-hmm. in that point.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, this was a book that I chose, just to <laughs> just a. Um, it's all good but um when I looked it up I was looking it was right after I finished reading Circe so I was looking up other mythical retellings because Circe was very Mm -hmm. beautifully done it was very consistent from start to end and it was just Mm -hmm. it was put together in a very good way so I was interested in reading more mythical retellings because I'm also trying to get back into more of the fantasy fiction and I thought that you know I really enjoyed Circe I enjoy history and myths kind of touch on history so i would really enjoy another Mm -hmm. mythical retelling so i want to try and open up to that so that's why we chose Mm -hmm. this book because it was recommended as one of the top books to read as a mythical retelling and it just it fell short Mm -hmm. it fell short in every way and i think that it was I think just like you said, it's the author trying to do too many things at once. She's trying to incorporate mm-hmm. too many different sides to the story. I think what she's trying to do is trying to help everybody to understand from point A to point B, head to tail, that mm-hmm. this is what everybody was thinking. This was how they were feeling. They're maybe not necessarily bad people except for like the obvious scenarios in which, yes, they were but they're not entirely bad, they're doing it for this reason, and this was their motivation, like, trying to over-explain every single detail so people really truly understand these characters. But it's Mm -hmm. too much, because when you're reading a book, you're not looking to have somebody set out everything on a silver platter for you. You want to try and find these details yourself. You want to try and understand what the author is alluding to. But when you put it
0: out on the plate like that, it just, it's not interesting to read. Mm -mm it's it again boils down to the classic writing advice that you need to show not tell yeah so like show me someone feels scared instead of telling me someone feels scared like yeah. when you show them you make the reader feel that yeah um versus like and they were terrified sometimes telling can be okay but in this been. case she told too much it was too much it was, it was too way much. too much so it was to a point where it actually distracted from what was going on. Exactly. Because it's like, why are you telling me this? Yeah. Again, the whole, like on the back of the book, it says like Medusa feels the pressure of mortality. Yeah. I never got that sense from Medusa. No. Even when she was the Gorgonian, I never got that sense from her. No. I got the sense that she pined for a mother that she never knew. Yeah. That she felt that hole in her life. I got the sense that she. She didn't view herself or her sisters as monsters, but everyone around her did. So why? Yeah. Is it because they, how they look or how they act? Like, what makes that? They never got. Yeah. And like she very much cares about everybody around her
1: because she accepted the rape from Poseidon so that he wouldn't kill a bunch of innocent exactly. humans. She and she had wrapped this- her eyes so that she wouldn't look anybody in the eye and accidentally kill
0: them after she learned after looking at a scorpion. Like, she was actively trying to be... After looking at a couple animals? Yeah, she was this beautiful, compassionate thing. And again, this is why I love the Medusa chapters. I think they were very well done, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, that was what I wanted more of. Yeah, I was like, when's when am I getting another Medusa chapter? You've actually made this character good. Yeah. Um, and again, like, the Perseus chapters, I think, you're trying to make him... Dis- like, not a hero. He's this yeah. pathetic, cowardly. But I felt bad for Perseus too, because, like, he was doing that to try and save
1: his mom. Me too. Yeah. He wasn't, a, like, he didn't do great things. He hurt the dry eye by but... getting rid of their eye and their tooth so that they'd just have to starve and suffer forever. And that sucks. Yeah. But that I was He like, also was like. like he didn't know how he would get them an eye that would actually be able to be used and how to get them teeth that Mm. they could actually use so like and he's trying to save his mom and all of it i didn't think he was a jerk until the end of the the book he wasn't a jerk until the end of the book when he met andromeda as she was being sacrificed and then he just started liking the idea of killing that's when it that's when he really accepted it and took it as like a personality trait instead of just Something that you do to help other people.
0: Yeah. And I think that goes towards the whole cowardly thing. Like, he finally had this, like, power. Yeah. This power that basically could vanquish anybody and anything. And, like, it went to his head. It went to his head, 100%. But, like, when the Gorgonian is like, or I forget which character was saying, like, if he had just kept his mouth shut, his mom would have gone to the palace for, like, at most two months and then been sent back oh narrator i think it was yeah it's like how would he know that yeah the dude's saying he's taking his mother away and marrying him and he's he's gonna lose his mom and
1: you you have to remember at the time he's 16 yeah he's a kid how do you expect a kid to understand the depth of the stuff he's being told his mom is being taken away from him forever And that she's not going to be yeah. happy, she's going to suffer. She's going to go through yeah. probably sexual assault because let's face it, probably. like you're going to marry somebody that you don't want to be with. What's going to happen?
0: Yeah. And, like, and then he's told like, you have to bring me the head of a Gorgon. And he's like, okay, he's a 16. He doesn't know what, what any of this yeah. means. He doesn't even know what it is. And then the, he's told that these Gorgons are like immortal. You can't kill them. Plus there are these giant flying killing machines, except for the mortal one. She's just like a normal girl, but she's protected by these yeah, killing machines. Oh, and don't look at her eyes because she'll turn you to stone. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be being myself. I'm so freaked out. Yeah, like I don't know. I like I felt. I think the reasons he was cowardly and pathetic were legit. I think the way he treated the gray eye were um was less than charitable. But yes, but I also get
1: it. I think he dealt with yeah. it in a clever way too because they were they would eat him. They would kill him. They were going to eat him. Yeah. Yeah. That was their intention. And I think that if he had brought them back, all the teeth and the eyes, they still would have killed him. Because they're, they're, like, even though they're pretty defenseless, like, especially now, (laughs) without the eye and the teeth, but they're essentially not not great hags. Mm -hmm. They don't care about humans, mortals. They don't Mm -hmm. value the life. They just Mm -hmm. are hungry. And what else are they going to do? right. So, like, I, I get it. I felt worse for him at the beginning. I didn't start thinking he was a jerk until after he saved Andromeda, because
0: that's when he started using his power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He started using it willy-nilly, yeah. not discriminating how to do it. And again, I think that's, he's 16. Yeah. <laughs> he's an idiot. Like, like, I do not expect a 16-year-old to make the best decisions. No. No, there's a reason that they're still considered minors at 16. Exactly. Like, I was an idiot. Let's be real. Every 16-year-old, even the most quote-unquote mature or uh, responsible of them, they're all idiots. They're 16. You're still learning. You're still learning life. Mm -hmm. Your brain's not done growing. It's not done until you're like 25. At that point, you don't even have like a full vision of what the world is actually
1: like like what mm-hmm. it's like to actually live in the world you're still very much in this childlike ignorance of mm-hmm. you know you're just living life for yourself but realistically that's just not
0: the case mm-hmm. so yeah so i don't know i think she was trying to make perseus look bad i don't think it really like he was annoying but he's like a whiny 16 year old on this impossible quest yeah yeah he thinks his mother is going to see actual bodily harm. Yeah. I think, I don't think he's pathetic over trying to save his mom.
1: No,
0: for a mortal to go on
1: a quest like this, where he has to encounter so many immortal beings, like just mm-hmm. encountering them on their own without all the threat of death emanating over him, like just encountering them alone is scary and crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, you're leaving the mortal world, mm-hmm. going on this impossible mm-hmm. quest. Yeah. He's 16. What? like, why is, he, yeah. why is he being demonized for this?
0: Right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just... All in all, I think we both agreed. We liked parts of it. Some parts, I think, were really well done. The Gryai chapter, Medusa's chapters, I think those were all well done. Cole's notes, she tried to focus on too many things... And ended up not doing any of them justice. Which is disappointing, but it happens. Yeah. I think this is a really good book to talk about because like just narration and plot wise. It's not a perfect book, which makes it a really good conversation. Exactly. We can't just like wax poetic about everything we loved.
1: Yeah. And like I don't I don't think Haynes was like intentionally trying to do any of this either. I think he was just Mm -hmm. trying to get all the information about everybody so that everybody had like an equal view of these characters Mm -hmm. but realistically that's not going to be the case ever you can't tell people how to feel people are going to feel how they feel based on the information it's like like everybody thinks that the the good guy in their own story like Mm -hmm. even when we were talking about mr mercedes last month even mm-hmm. Brady thought that he was the good guy in his story. he knew what he was doing yeah. was wrong, but he still thought he was a good guy and doing things that should be done because it needed to be done like
0: mm-hmm. well, I don't know if Brady thought of himself as good, but he definitely thought he was better than everybody, yeah, yeah, but anyhow, uh, Kendall, how would you rate this book out of five magic crystal balls i I get it like a one point nine. I don't want to
1: be flat out and give it like a zero or one, but I would not read it again. Um, I enjoyed some aspects of it, but I don't necessarily recommend it. Like,
0: yeah. There are topics that I don't think are great for teens or you have to tread delicately around because it's a difficult topic. Um, I think it's an important topic
1: and, you know, 100% especially for Teens, a lot of teens go through that in those years or even Mm -hmm. earlier. And like it's a conversation that should be had, but not in a fiction
0: story. There's so much room for something really great here. Yeah. That that's where I'm disappointed. And yeah, I think I'd give it a two crystal balls out of five. Um, just for all those reasons. It just fell short constantly. I wouldn't recommend this book. I won't read it again. It was unfortunately quite disappointing. Yeah. But I didn't actually throw it against a wall and refuse to continue on. So that's why it gets two and not one. <laughs>
1: that's fair. So I guess fair. the average for us would
0: be two, essentially. Roughly, yeah. You basically almost gave it a two. Yeah. I my original was a two point five when I first mm-hmm. started
1: thinking of it, but then no, it Yeah.
0: I wouldn't recommend it. No. So it doesn't get anywhere near three. Yeah. Anywho. let's hope the next read's better
1: yeah super excited um yeah hope you guys enjoyed this conversation
0: yeah i know i did i really enjoyed finally like letting it all out with you because i've been so frustrated with this book
1: it's so important that we have conversations and that we read books that we don't enjoy too especially as writers because we need to expose ourselves and understand and be able to pick out the parts that we don't like so when we're writing we have that in mind. Or when we're editing we have that in
0: mind and it's like i think about like mr mercedes and stone blind like i didn't really like either of those books but i didn't like them for different reasons like the overall story of stone blind i liked even though it was disjointed and all over the place and none of it was done well like i see a potential for something that i would actually thoroughly enjoy reading if it was done well so It ruined my enjoyment of reading the book so much that I read it at a two. But then like Mr. Mercedes, I didn't like that book, but it was written really well to a point where I'd be like, if this is your kind of genre, which generally that kind of read is not my thing. Like if that's your vibe, this is a great book for you. I think it's very well done. I thought it was like, it was a really good stereotypical hard-boiled detective novel. So I think that's also really important for like as a reader being able to identify a book that you don't like but was well done versus a book that has so much potential but it really just falls short on so many things and like Medusa's not a pick me girl. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Stop making strong female characters a stupid pick me girl. Stop it. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So on Medusa too, for her to be a pygmy girl, having not grown up around other people, she grew up with her sister, she wasn't around other people, so why would she even have that kind of an opinion of being not like other girls, not like
0: other people? Exactly! When she's never, like, expressed anything remotely like this, it, oh. that sentence should have been cut in editing. It had no contribution to the novel, it did not matter. The only thing it did is make me want to throw the book against the wall and yeah. out, or out my bit window off my balcony if I knew it yeah. wouldn't hit someone. So, yeah. 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 All right, everyone. I think that's everything we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Petals and Pages. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share it with your fellow bookworms, leave a review, and hit that subscribe button. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, at PetalsAndPagesPod.
1: Until next time, keep turning those pages, exploring new worlds, and embracing the
0: beauty of words. This is Petals and Pages, signing off. See you next time, everyone.